Welcome back to Colombo and Katie on 101.994.1 News Talk STL. Great conversation in that 2 o'clock hour and uh, just moments ago there with Keith Antone, America's favorite liberal. He's going to be somebody I think that uh, is going to provide tremendous insight to the Cory Bush Wesley Bell race as we go through this uh, election year. So we'll be talking to Keith uh, regularly throughout to get some updates um, as we uh, as we go through the election year. Looking forward to that. If you missed any of that conversation, uh, there's no reason to do so. All you have to do is subscribe to the Colombo and Katie podcast on your favorite podcast platform because we put the show out on basically every podcast platform every day right after we get off the air as a podcast. So if you miss anything or just want to make sure that you never miss anything, just subscribe to the Colombo and Katie podcast and that will never happen. All right. Diving back in to the news with the newest member to the weekday lineup here at News Talk STL. Rob Carter joins us. Of course, the Rob Carter show every weeknight, eight to 10 here on News Talk STL. Rob, uh, sorry to take you away from your show prep for t- uh, tonight, but really appreciate your time as always, my friend. How are you? Hey, what's going on, Tony? Hey, Katie. Hello, sir. So, um, we, Katie and I talked in the last hour about the about this border deal and the controversy, and you know, the read the quotes from McCar- or from uh, McCarthy, <laughs> Speaker Johnson, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and the Republican leadership that is. Uh, opposed to it and then we read senator lankford and all the stuff that was uh that was for it um so i don't want to rehash the whole thing but i did want to get your your thoughts in general about this about this bipartisan border deal that some republicans say is the right thing to do and some are uh saying it's not and standing firm where have we heard this story (laughs) about Republicans. Yeah, about the division of the Republican Party. Uh, Yeah, we've seen that locally and nationally uh, on display, and and here we go again. But uh, what are your thoughts in general on this border deal? Is it the right thing to do, or do you stand with the folks that are uh, opposed to it? Um, Generally speaking, anything that Joe Biden and his administration puts together that is bipartisan, I raise an eyebrow to it immediately. Um, As I understand, they're going to let 5,000... whatever you want to call it, migrants, yeah. illegal migrants, illegal, yeah. illegal aliens in a day mm-hmm. uh, for 365 days. That's almost 2 million people, if yeah. my math is corrected. Yeah, the gates so, shut after 5,000 a day. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It doesn't make nudge. any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. They don't. They, they just don't seem to be able to explain with all of the things that are going in Americans' lives, especially the middle class, just getting crushed with inflation. I hear it, it just because I'm doing a live show now. I'm getting people contacting me all the time, and you can just feel the frustration and the desperation about staying up to date on bills, taking care of their kids, having time to have any kind of life anymore. These people are working like crazy. And then we're going to start funneling money over to illegal immigration that comes into your area and you have to pay for, you have to provide jobs, you have to provide schooling, you have to provide clothing. Our government is sending them money. Um, I have an aunt, uh, she, she's <laughs> my aunt, who is, um, she's a Republican, uh, but she's pretty liberal in her views. She's sponsoring an Afghani family. She told me not too long ago that you got a check in the mail from the United States government for $10,000. This is her telling wow. me this is firsthand experience. This is somebody that she's seeing these people every day. She's trying to help them out because she's a good hearted person. But I'm like, well, I didn't get a check for $10,000 and I'm working like a crazy person. So I don't understand how we make sense of all this. So to allow 5,000 people in 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know how you can make sense of it, but again, it feels to me like it's just one big handshake up there in D.C., and whoever's controlling the purse strings usually controls the policy. You know, you, you made a great point, and, and, and I said something similar uh, earlier in the show when we were reading some quotes from Senator Lankford, who is uh, the main, the lead Republican proponent of this bill. His One of his quotes was that this that this bill flips the script. That was his words. Flips the script on the current Joe Biden policy. And to your point, without even getting into the weeds, I highly doubt that Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer, and the majority of Democrats would sign on to a policy that flips the script on their current uh, on their current system. So right. I just am not. Yeah. If, if, if Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer are happy with it, that's pretty much all I need to know that it's probably not a good deal. I think your instincts are right <laughs> on the money. And the, the, the question is with Lankford, he's supposed to be one of these really super conservative guys yeah. in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. He's got the religious background. He's got the whole, uh, he almost looks like he could be doing tele evangelistic work. If you, wanna, <laughs> uh, if you, if you get he's got that guy. deep radio voice. If you've ever heard him talk, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. yeah. He's, you know, he's one of those guys that I think conservatives have looked upon for many years as being one of the guys that's in their camp. This seems like a very odd, these are very odd bedfellows. I haven't really gotten to the bottom yeah. of it yet. Cause I'm, kind of on a, a the election topic right now. I'm yeah. completely focused on it, yeah. but I just don't, I don't understand where this alliance is coming from and just the information coming out into the public doesn't make any sense to yeah. me why any conservative would be okay with 5,000 immigrants coming into the country at this time in the world. Yeah, <laughs> totally agree. I haven't Today. seen every detail yet either. I've, I've researched as much as I can, but yeah, there's nothing, unless there's something in there like a bombshell that I'm missing. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't get the, I don't get the the message coming from Langford you know, either. You know, the, you know, the other thing I wanted to bring up, too, mm-hmm. is the way I understand this bill, this this provides a lot of money again for Ukraine. And yes. I'm thinking yeah, myself. and Israel, the whole, the, both war packages are tied into this bill also, which is another big problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. when, did, when did the Democrats become so pro-war? Why did, why, I thought that was the whole <laughs> check on power back in during the Bush administration, the Gulf War, the first, uh, the, the um, um, Iraq War, yeah. everything, they were always the... They were always the check on the on, on the people's trying to send money overseas, and now all of a sudden that's kind of their platform. And I, I, I just don't get where I don't understand where American citizens would ever think that at this particular time we need to be sending money all over the world. It just seems so crazy to me when you see all of the homelessness around the country, just the the, the purse strings of people trying to make it day to day. You can feel it starting to constrict, and it's starting to hit the upper middle class. People are feeling it everywhere. Uh-huh. And to say that we're going to send our hard-earned tax money to another country to fight a war that nobody can really understand over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> it goes from Iraq, it goes to Afghanistan, then it's Ukraine, now it's Israel, and who knows what it'll be tomorrow. But it's just constantly sending money overseas. It just seems bizarre. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I, I just don't know how it continues on. At some point, uh, I think the citizens have to say enough. Both parties, you guys got to... Uh, you got to get it together. Yeah, and also a board, a bill that's titled, you know, border security or you know, southern border that also includes billions or millions of dollars 
for wars on the other side of the planet. Like right. <laughs> that doesn't belong in a, in a border bill. That's another yeah. problem with this. Yeah. Uh, but we'll continue to keep an eye on it. I know you guys, I know you will uh, in the evening as well. And uh, we will, as all this uh, debate rages on and information comes out, we will be all over it here uh, on News Talk STL. I want to get into, you mentioned the campaign. Uh, Nikki Haley over the weekend, her campaign touts $16.5 million in fundraising ahead of their first rally in a Super Tuesday state. Nikki Haley is on her way to California. She's going to be there on Wednesday, where she is scheduled to headline her first rally in one of the 15 Super Tuesday states. Her campaign is aiming to spotlight her momentum, okay, as she faces a steep uphill climb for the 2024 nomination. Haley's team says they hauled in $16.5 million in a Fun and fundraising last month across all of their campaign committees, including 11.7 million from small dollar grassroots supporters. So there's been we've talked a lot about this with various guests on the uh, show over the last couple of weeks. I, I still keep hearing from a lot of the uh, experts and people that I that I generally trust that Nikki Haley is uh, going to drop out before the 24th, before South Carolina, to save herself the embarrassment of losing in her own state. I just I I'm not ready. I'm sticking with my gut that I talked about last week. If she's doing rallies in Super Tuesday states and the money's still coming in, I'm not sure she's dropping out just yet. What how, how do you feel about the the current state of this uh, of this race and Nikki Haley's future in it? Well, she has no chance to win at all. Um, <laughs> or in, uh, Trump dying um, or being indicted for something in advance. So maybe she's holding out for that. But when you say that you, she doesn't want the humiliation of a loss, or I hear this commentary all the time, if she brought in 16 to $17 million, you should make that cha-ching sign. That's what, yeah. it, that's what a lot of these people are running for is just to be an alternative to somebody they hate. They're able to create a lot of fear. They're able to create, create anger. And that brings in money and then you can try to figure out how that money gets back into the pockets of the people that are around her and support her and so forth and so on so it all depends on how you look at winning if you're raising 17 million dollars and you can frame it through the media as though you're the alternative to donald trump and you can bring in more money and stay in the process and raise money uh, that probably is what winning is in her mind because she certainly knows and everybody else knows that she is not the chosen one for the 2024 uh, Republicans. It's going to be Donald Trump. Rob, that's interesting that you bring it up because I was watching a skit from SNL this weekend. Nikki Haley was on Saturday Night Live. I cannot believe it, but she was on it. And um, it was just a cameo that she made in this piece. But when we talk about money, Rob, and we talk about raising money, where it's going, you know, you often look at someone like Nikki Haley, and it seems to me that there is favor that she's gaining amongst Democrats. Joy Reid actually spoke pretty well of Nikki Haley. Some people on The View did as well. Then she makes his appearance on SNL. Rob, it seems to me that the mainstream media has kind of wrapped their arms around Nikki. And that makes me question, where is the money going and who's funding the campaign? Where is it coming from? Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, and I would look at it like this, right? If you know that there is hatred towards Donald Trump, just look at it from a business standpoint, because everything in my mind goes, well, how are these people making money? Because at the root of the day, that's kind of what they're after, if you really pay attention. So if they're trying to make money off of this and they know they can work off of the anger against Donald Trump, that brings in the Democrat establishment because they can't stand the guy. They're trying to indict him. They've tried to humiliate him from day one. So you can work off of that anger and begin to raise money. And now you've got the media behind you. And if the media tells the public that Nikki Haley is a viable candidate 
uh, or viable opposition to Donald Trump. Well, then she is. All they got to do is just pound it into people's heads. If you haven't paid attention to the way the Democrat voters think, um, if you get the bell ringing, they'll they're like Pavlov's dog. All they got to do is hear from uh, Joy Reid and Joy Behar, the two joys, the joys mm-hmm. of my life. <laughs> you get to hear, you get the to hear these people. Life. Right. If they if they pound it into the the, the network news audience that uh, Nikki Haley is now, she's at 35 percent. Now she's 40. Now she's 45. Now she's in a dead heat with Donald Trump and they'll play it out like a movie. Well, then that becomes people's reality. It's not reality, but it becomes people's reality. And she can make a lot of money from doing that. She can make a lot of money just being the last woman standing against Donald Trump. And I think just my I'm, I'm mm-hmm. very cynical, but I think that's what's going on. So, Rob, I did look at a rally that just happened in South Carolina for Nikki Haley, and it did look like there was about twelve hundred, thirteen people hundred at this at this rally. And to me, that's Im- impressive, but obviously maybe not anything close to what Donald Trump can do at his rallies. Do you think speaking on behalf of what you just said, a perception becoming people's reality from what they see at the media, is that actually happening when we see a number like 1200, 1300 that she's gathering? Absolutely. Look at Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Remember Bernie Sanders? Bernie Sanders looks like the disheveled professor that couldn't really get a sentence put together. But when they brought him up as the anti-establishment guy and, and this and that and the other, he grew enormous support. I went and saw Bernie Sanders. I saw him at a rally. Wow. Uh, this is this is not yeah, and I just went to observe it. I wasn't going there as a as a fan favorite, mm-hmm. but I just when you pay attention okay. to it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, <guess. promise> <laughs> I saw yeah, Hillary Clinton too. Yeah, but if they put their if they put if if they position themselves in a in a certain spot and then have the media come in and push it really really hard, it becomes a self fulfilling. Pro- I'm convinced of it. It becomes a self fulfilling prophecy, and it's not that Nikki Haley is this. Um, she's not a a, a a decent candidate. I'm not saying that at all. It's just that Donald Trump, in the eyes of the Republican voters and what's just happened since 2016, he's been so cornered by the establishment in the in all appearances that you have people that have defended him for a long time coming to his defense. You're not going to get around that. There's nothing you can say or do to get around the fact that Donald Trump has won the admiration of the vast majority of Republican voters. That's not going to change. He's right where he needs to be. Nikki Haley and anybody in politics can see that. You don't have to be a consultant to recognize that. So from that point forward, you say to yourself, well, why is she in it? What's her, what's the goal? I would say it's raising money, creating enough hassle to where she can strike a deal, get into his administration. Once you get into the administration, you have a certain amount of power. And then those donors that held you along the way, now they have all of a sudden they have access to you. I think that's how the game works. It's Rob Carter, you can hear Rob every night, eight o'clock here on News Talk STL. Almost out of time. One, I want to real quick just get your thoughts on on one other thing here while we're talking about the presidential election. While we're talking about South Carolina, flip to the other side. Uh, story out today, and we've been we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks here on on our show, uh, keeping an eye on this story about uh, Joe Biden and how much support he is losing from uh, the minority demographics, black voters, Hispanic voters. And there's a new story out today. President Biden's support among black voters has dropped significantly since 2020. And his supporters are beginning to are his yeah, and his supporters, as we've seen in the past, blaming this on disinformation. This is this is how desperate it is the Democratic Party in South Carolina, um, where it, we've talked we've done recent stories about that, uh, that that is the group that literally saved his presidential campaign in 2020. Black voters in in South Carolina, how much uh, he has lost their support. Party officials uh, in. South Carolina Democratic Party officials 
just went on a 30-stop bus tour around the state in an effort to close, quote, the information gap and educate the state's black voters about the successes that the Joe, that the Biden administration has had. Democratic National Committee Chairman Jamie Harrison said the reason many people are questioning Biden is because of, quote, so much disinformation. Uh, the Democratic Party chair in South Carolina said, quote, we need to educate our voters and create a space for our candidates to come out and talk about their record. That's really why we launched this effort to fill what I feel is a information gap. Um, and uh, they go on to say Democrats argue black voters just need to be taught about Biden's major successes like the Inflation Reduction Act and student loan forgiveness. And then they'll come around. And then it's all capped off by this recent poll. This to me, this whole thing is gross and desperate the way that they are are pandering to and in my opinion talking down to the black voters like you know if you just understood it then you'd come around uh just it's gross and it's desperate but they've got good reason to be desperate because a brand new usa today poll shows biden's support among black voters across the country has fallen from 92 percent in 2020 just before he was elected to 63% now, 92% to 63%, and his support among Hispanic voters is down 59% in 2020 to 34% now. It's, we talk about like the problems that are happening in the Republican Party that have been under the spotlight lately, but it's, it, this is, it, this is desperate times for the Biden campaign. And this, this story, this new story today really highlights it. If those numbers are true, mm-hmm. then he's going to have to rely upon another stolen election to be the president of the United States. That's the way I see it. Um, so here's here, here's the deal, in my opinion. I think it's very condescending the way they go about this, number yes. one. I think it's crazily condescending. I think the idea that you would have to back Biden and his agenda and his slurring, his nonsense, would be a very difficult task for anyone. And I also believe that the DNC is right now testing the waters to find out whether they can drag Biden across the finish line and have another puppet for four years or whether they're going to have to replace him because there's just so much movement away from him that they just can't keep him in place for 2024 as to which they would. Then they would slip like Megyn Kelly. She was on her show and she said they have the intention of bringing in Michelle Obama between May and August. And she has good information that this is what's going to go down. I have somebody with high within the uh, Democrat Party that told me the same thing in 2020. Hmm said they're grooming her for the president of the United States. This is somebody who's a millions of dollars of donation money over the years to the Democrat party. And he told me that's what was going down. So I get the feeling they're testing the waters to see if they can get rid of him or they need to figure out a way to drag him across the finish line. And uh, that's where we're at in the game. That's yeah. what I think. That's what I think is happening. You know what? That might be right where we pick it off, uh, pick it up next week, because we've talked a lot about that Michelle Obama mm-hmm. uh, situation on this show. Yeah. Something that I a couple of months ago was thought was complete fantasy, and I'm still not convinced. But um, I'm definitely. I may not be either. Starting FYI. to, yeah, just, I'm, just news. Yeah, but I'm hearing more and more uh, what I believe to be credible reports that yeah. maybe that is the truth. So, uh, yeah, definitely one of the many discussions and things that we'll be talking about in uh, the future as we go through this crazy election year. And we've got it covered top to bottom here on News Talk STL. Rob Carter, now every night, every weeknight from 8 to 10 here on News Talk STL. Rob, really appreciate your time as always. And we'll be listening tonight. Happy Monday. Back at you, dude. Thank you. Great stuff there from Rob Carter. All right. Uh, Elon Musk 
attacked the president over the weekend, just swinging for the fences at him. And Taylor Swift's got a new album, people. I'm so excited! Taylor Swift needed another reason to get in the headlines. It is. I will say it's it like is we haven't heard any, we haven't heard anything from her. It it is becoming too much. How did we miss this? Why didn't we lead with that? <laughs> with Swifty. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, Elon Musk and also um, uh, talk about the uh, tragic death today of the firefighter that was standing with George W. Bush at Ground Zero. Uh, the day after 9-11, um, somebody who became a um, a symbol for the American unification and the the fight back against terrorism um, in a that dark dark time. So, uh, want to definitely give him the honor and credit he was due. Firefighter Bob Beckwith passed away at the age of 91. I want to revisit that moment also when we get back here on Colombo and Katie on 1019 and 941 News Talk STL. For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Welcome back to Colombo and Katie on 1019 News Talk STL. Mentioned the uh, podcast earlier. Put the show out as a podcast right after we get off the air every day on basically every podcast platform. Great way to make sure that you never miss anything that happens here on the show. Just subscribe to the Colombo and Katie podcast on whatever podcast platform you use. Also, want to remind you that you can listen to us every day, of course, but you can also watch us every day on a variety of social media platforms. The News Talk STL Facebook page. Uh, News Talk STL Twitter page, also on YouTube at News Talk STL Official or on the Colombo Katie YouTube page. And, of course, the Rumble page where uh, more and more folks. I'll tell you what. It is in, it is exceedingly difficult for any social media platform to g- establish themselves when you have Facebook mm-hmm. and Twitter giants that just dominate the space. Rumble has they're doing it. Oh yeah. I mean they're not I'm not saying that they're at Twitter's level or Facebook's level yet. They've got a lot of big names on They've Rumble. They've got a lot of big names and there are a lot of people using that service, using mm-hmm. that platform, choosing it over Twitter and Facebook and other things and it keeps progressing. I think it's an moving important. In the right direction. I think it's a really important space to be, and uh, we're there every day on the Newstalk STL Rumble page. So make sure that you check it out. All right, this is a sad story. Legendary 9/11 firefighter Bob Beckwith, who stood with President George W. Bush at Ground Zero the day after the 9/11 attacks, die has died at the age of 91. His family says that the that 9/11 related illnesses contributed to his death uh former president bush addressed beckwith's passing in a statement released today that read quote laura and i are saddened by the passing of bob beckwith on september 11th 2001 bob was happily retired for more than 30 years uh retired after more than 30 years of service with the new york city fire department when the terrorists attacked 
Bob suited back up and like so many brave first responders raced towards the danger to save and search for others. His courage represented the defiant, resilient spirit of New Yorkers and Americans after 9-11. I was proud to have Bob by my side at Ground Zero days later and privileged to stay in touch with this patriot over the years. Laura and I send our condolences to Barbara and the Beckwith family as they remember this decent, humble man. And I was just, Katie and I were just talking about this at the uh, at the break there. How old were you? Like six? I was nine. That's crazy. I was nine. I, I, this is one of those moments in time that like are just, you know, seared in my memory and so many others. And this to me was the pinnacle of George W. Bush's presidency where he showed leadership and connection with the country and uh and and this firefighter bob beckwith was standing right next to him i wanted to play that that audio because it is i remember i remember watching this live and just it just that you know things were crazy at that point in time and this one minute minute and a half maybe of george bush standing there off the cuff he started he just went up on the rubble and mm-hmm. started talking and the, nobody could hear him so somebody handed him uh the megaphone mm-hmm. just completely unplanned unscripted and it was just a, an incredible moment and, the, and this moment. firefighter was standing next to him i want to play that for you because i think this is uh you know this is this is one of those moments that uh we need to uh remember uh, often because it it really did bring the country together here's here's that uh here's that moment i want you all to know that america today america today is on bended knee in prayer for the people whose lives were lost here for the workers who work here for the families who mourn this nation stands with the good people of new york city and new jersey and connecticut as we mourn the loss of thousands of our citizens i can hear you That is amazing stuff. So amazing. A moment in history, a moment in time. It, it's very similar to whenever George Bush found out about the information and was at the oh, elementary that school. that piece of video. It, it, and, you know, at that time, I don't, I don't remember any of that because I was so young. But for me, that was what we learned about in our history books. That was our elementary mm-hmm. and middle school history books were photos of George W. Bush learning about that and then photos of him amongst the rubble and the workers still at the the towers so and just incredible yep and that speech was given uh the whole speech 
he has uh, the president has his arm around Bob Beckwith and uh, the firefighter, the New York City firefighter, who has died at the age of ninety one. So I definitely wanted to amazing uh, honor him with that today. Um, <clears throat> all right, from something uh, that is uh, deeply historically important to something that I'm uh, getting totally sick of. Taylor Swift has announced a new album. I guess the Grammys were last night. Oh yeah, oh she yeah. Won she won some Grammys? Yeah. I think she won Album of the Year for Midnight's. Grammy for Best Pop Vocal Album is what my notes say here. And then announced that she will release, quote, the Tortured Poets Department. Okay. Mm-hmm. Starting to believe our own press here, Taylor. On April 19th, sending the Swifties into fervor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think they're all in comas. Like, I think we we need to check in on the people that really love Taylor Swift. Because they're not all right right now. Like it's, I just told Tony this on the break. It's that, it's the big daddy moment whenever Adam Sandler is talking to the younger kid that he's watching and he's getting like, uh, like annoyed and he's like, all right, that's, I love Taylor Swift, but this is like, it's too much now. This is like too much. I, I will get her album. But my goodness gracious, girlfriend! Until why not wait until after the Super? Because with the Chiefs in the Super Bowl and her being in Tokyo and everybody's watching, is she gonna make it? And the and the doing uh, all these news organizations like putting out the timeline of like if she boards her plane at at. 1 a.m. Tokyo time. She can be in Vegas at this t- at this time, Vegas time, and be in the luxury box at this time to watch the Super Bowl. And then she's back in the plane at this time for another show in Tokyo. Like, like oh, it's God. everywhere. She's everywhere. She is everywhere. It's too much. I do love there. her, though, but my gosh. Mm. It's enough. All right. That's enough for us as well. We're done. Colombo and Katie back tomorrow at 2. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. In the meantime, keep it here for the O'Reilly Report next. And then the Tim Jones and Chris Arp Show on 1019 and 941 News Talk STL.